Hi, I'm Walter Harvey, the senior pastor at Parklawn Assembly of God. Parklawn is a church that both regular attenders and even unchurched people love to attend. Why? Perhaps it's because we seek real and authentic relationships. We're a multicultural church that's engaged in volunteerism and outreach in our community and world. Let's face it, we live in a real world. Young people are facing challenges in their school, relationships, and career choices. That's why we're focused on practical matters, such as making faith work in family, career, and community issues. If you're tired of church as usual, or you don't go to church at all, then Park Lawn Assembly of God could be the perfect place for you. Come check it out this weekend. We have services each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. Park Lawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon. Today I want to talk about restoration, particularly restoring the five-fold ministry model of leadership to the local church. Um, God is, is giving me a mandate for this morning and this message. And he wants to release this house to, to really become the influencers and to release the impact that he has placed within the body of Christ upon the earth. But when we lack understanding as to who we are and how we are called to operate, it limits our impact. Um, three years ago, I, I purchased a new car. And I got to be honest with you, there's still some functions on that car that I haven't even figured out how to use. I'm kind of afraid to. If I push that button, I don't know what's going to happen. That's limiting my, my driving experience. It's a lack of knowledge. It's ignorance. And in the same way, the church has been limited because of a lack of knowledge. Today, God is telling us to take the limits off personally and corporately what you have come to know and understand about church and how church should function and what church should be all about he's saying that many of us are stuck in a rut of tradition and so with this word of restoration today he's saying he is turning us into new wineskins in Matthew chapter 9 I'm going to begin there Jesus says in verse 16, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. In other words, that unshrunk cloth is a new piece of material. You don't sew that on an old garment because the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No. They pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. The background of this is that religious people were upset that Jesus wasn't doing any extra fasting. We know that he fasted. Come on, he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. He had a habit of fasting. He had a lifestyle of fasting. He taught his disciples when you fast, not if, but when you fast. But the religious people had added some extra stuff as we often do and we get stuck in a rut and they wanted to try to put Jesus in that rut and say wait a minute you don't understand that I've come to bring a new covenant and you can't put this new covenant on top of the old one and expect the two to go together 
Because the old is going to continue to shrink and it's going to rip away from the new. And you will spoil what's on the inside. There are many people, many contemporaries in Jesus' day who were unwilling to accept the change that God was bringing to his covenant with them. They were so accustomed to the old covenant of animal sacrifices and religious acts, things that you had to do in order to be right with God, that they rejected the new covenant that Jesus was bringing, and as a result, they also rejected him. So in this season, God is saying, I'm looking for people who will say, Lord, make me a new wineskin. Make me a new wineskin because I believe that you desire to pour some new wine in and you cannot pour it into the old because the gases of the new wine are so powerful that they will begin to ferment and to begin to be released in that old wineskin. And the old wineskin is so brittle and old and it's not flexible enough to expand and contract and it will burst the wineskin. The wineskin will be ruined and the wine will be wasted and poured out. So God said, I need some folks who are flexible, some folks who are willing to move, some folks who are willing to go with the flow of the gas of the Holy Spirit because I want to do something new. I want to pour in some new wine and some new oil, but I need some new wineskins. He's looking for some carriers of new wine. Let me give you a little history lesson, a biblical history lesson. From Genesis to 1 Samuel, God introduces his kingdom and his government as a theocracy. Think about that from Genesis all the way to 1 Samuel. God says, I'm going to rule my people. I'm the only one you need to talk to. In fact, I, I will choose the man, Moses, Noah, Adam, Abraham. I will choose the man, the prophet, Samuel. There's no voting. There's no elections. There's no ballot casting. It's not 51%. It's not the most popular. It's not approval ratings. God says, I'm in charge. It's a theocracy. But from 1 Samuel all the way to the book of Malachi, now we're introduced to a monarchy in the kingdom. Because after the prophet Samuel, the people says, we don't want your sons to rule us. In fact, we want a king. We want to, we want to be like the other nations of the, of the earth. We want a king to rule us. And so now we're introduced to a monarchy from 1 Samuel and Saul was the first king all the way through the time of Malachi. The, Malachi is the last book of the, of the Old Testament. When we come and turn the page of the New Testament, now we're introduced to a new government. It's the reign of the Messiah. Jesus comes and says the kingdom of God is here. And people were looking for an earthly kingdom. They were looking for palaces and horses and chariots and and, 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 you know, shields and armor. And Jesus says, no, my kingdom is established in the hearts of people. I'm ruling people from the inside out. People rejected that kingdom. And today, Christ is still ruling from the inside out of the hearts of men. But the church is being led by the Holy Spirit that is guided by fivefold ministry callings. The fivefold have been equipped and anointed to capture the vision and the voice of God, to coordinate it and to release heaven's agenda and assignments through the church into the earth. There is a, there is a rule that God has always designed for the earth. And it first came through him in a the theocracy, then through a monarchy, and then 
through the rule of Christ and now it is the Holy Spirit ruling in the hearts of people in the church but guided by a five-fold ministry calling. So today God is saying, I want the church to get back to a new wineskin. A wineskin of church government that will demonstrate his kingdom on the earth. So I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12 because it's important for us and I don't have time to read uh, all of those uh, chapters but the background particularly 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is telling us that we have to discern and know that we are one body we are many parts we are many members but we are one body you need to know who you are you need to know who's next to you because it's important to know that because we each personally and corporately have a function and have a role and we really do need each other. Go ahead and turn to the person next to you and say, I'm sorry what I said this morning, but I really do need you. I'm talking to some, some folks who argued on the way to church this morning, I really do need you. In order for us to see the wholeness and the blessing and the fullness and the strength and the freedom and the community and the joy and the hope is going to require of us discerning who we are in the body of Christ. In order for us to grow, we must have the governmental offices. I'm not just talking about growing in number, but growing in health, growing in quality, growing in purity. I'm going to begin in Ephesians chapter 4. Let me go to Ephesians 4 first. In verse 11, Paul writes and says, So Christ himself gave the apostles... So Christ himself, Christ himself, people didn't call themselves to be apostles and prophets and evangelists, pastors. Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then he will no longer, we will no longer, excuse me, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and the craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. For from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Jesus gave the five-fold ministry callings as an expression of himself in his church. We are in that season, we're in that era now where the wineskin of government in the church is the Holy Spirit ruling in the hearts of people but equipping and anointing fivefold ministry callings to be an expression of who Jesus was in his kingdom. When Jesus walked the face of the earth, he walked as an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, and a teacher. But his primary office and calling was as an apostle. In Hebrews chapter 3, the word apostle means, and, and throughout scripture it means, the sent forth one. The sent forth one. That's a sent one. That's what an apostle is. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1 it says, Therefore holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus whom we acknowledge as our apostle 
and high priest. Jesus was a sent forth one. He was sent from the Father to bring about a new covenant. And he couldn't put that new covenant on top of the old one. He needed a new wineskin. And so people rejected that new covenant, so they were rejected him. That's why in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 40, Jesus says, anyone who welcomes me or anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Verse 41, whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. I ain't calling nobody prophet. Well, you lose your reward. Anyone who ever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. Sister Crystal told us in the, in the leading of our service this morning about Acts chapter 1, about the, the, the people being in one accord in the place of worship in Jerusalem. Well, it was in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 1 where, where Peter said, listen, Jesus Christ has come as our apostle, but now he's gone and he, is, he wants to send us out. But before we are sent out, we got to get this thing in order. We only have 11 apostles now because Judas has died and 12 is the number of government. So let us pray and let us seek which one who was with us in the beginning, who saw Jesus while he was on the face of the earth, will be well, will the Holy Spirit say, this is going to be number 12? And the lot fell on Matthias. Then they were in one accord, 120 praying, and the Holy Spirit was poured out. Because the church is built on the foundation of apostles and prophets. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus sent out 72 others besides those 12. And how did he send them out? He sent them out with a kingdom authority to bind the powers of darkness, to raise the dead, to heal the sick. Amen. Amen. To preach the good news of the kingdom of God. And he said, whoever listens to you, listens to me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. Whoever rejects me, rejects him who sent me. Jesus was all about the business of raising up apostles. That was his priority after the crucifixion and the resurrection. Let me illustrate and break this down about the fivefold ministry. Just imagine, anybody ever been in a car accident? I was almost in a car accident yesterday. I'm telling you, I wanted to run that person down. I, I'm still growing, y'all. Y'all pray for me. There's <laughs> some crazy drivers in Milwaukee today. I'm telling you. I, whoo, God. Don't get a gun if you got a high temper, okay? I want you, I want you to just come back with me. Now, I was in the flesh for a moment, but come back with me. Think about a car accident that occurs, and each of the five-fold ministry anointings and mindsets, they all show up. Each one is providing a different need. Each one is providing a different mindset, a different perspective. So this car wreck happens, and there's mass chaos, and there's, there's fire and smoke, and you know people are laying on the street, and some are over their dashboard, and there's blood and glass, and the pastor is the first one to show up. He gets out of his car, he quickly sur surveys the situation, and he quickly moves into a triage mindset. 
He begins to comfort those who are afflicted. He begins to bandage up their wounds. He provides jackets for those who are cold and blankets for those who are shivering. And, and, and he daps up the blood and makes sure that everybody is getting care. He, he writes down their name so I can call your loved one and let him know that you've been in an accident. He calls 911 and, and he finds out, oh, are you married? Do you have a wife? Do you have children? Who should I call? Because I want to make sure that you have the best care that you could possibly receive. That, that pastor could have been a doctor. Because the pastor's goal is to make sure everybody is loved and well cared for. To make sure that people are healthy and strong and, and, and enjoying the favor of God and in good graces with one another. That's the heart of the pastor. Second person that arrives to the car scene is the teacher. Teacher sees the smoke and the glass and, and the car wrecks and the people laying on the ground. But the, teacher, the teacher's first uh, uh, mindset is that he begins to study the situation and he looks at the speed limit signs. And where's the speed limit sign? Where's the stop sign? Is that, is that green light really green or does it look yellow? And begins to look at the line markings on the side of the road. Begins to take out a pencil and paper and calculate the trajectory and the speed of the oncoming traffic and, and begins to do a diagram of where this car was and it must have came at this angle. And the teacher quickly surmises, you know, we need to do a class and we need to do a driver's education class for some of these folks. I need to go to the judge and we need to change the laws because the, 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 this speed is too high. Because the teacher begins to study patterns, they develop theories, they come to conclusions, they create classes, they deal with accuracy. Third person that arrives on the scene is an evangelist. They see the smoke and the car wreck and the glass and people laying around and people walking around in the days. And by now, a crowd has gathered around the police tape and the evangelist walks up to the people in the car and say, I would just want to ask you one question. If you would have died in that accident, where would you have spent eternity? Would you have gone to heaven or would you have gone to hell? Some of the people say, I don't know. And he begins to lead people to Christ one by one. Then he sees the people on the side of the road observing the accident. He says, I, and don't think that y'all are exempt. This could have been you. Tomorrow's not promised to you. If you had died, where would you be? And many of them begin to give their heart to the Lord because the evangelist is focused on the lost. They have a calling for the gift of salvation. To, and, and they also must have a calling to train others to go and reach the lost. And then pray for them to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So that as they go, they are empowered from on high. The fourth person to arrive to the scene is the prophet. The prophet is not surprised by the accident because the Lord told the prophet last night there was going to be an accident at such and such place and such and such time of day. So they arrive at the scene of the accident, well aware of the dream they had last night. In fact, the Lord woke them up and showed them that everybody survived in the dream. And so they show up on sight and they just begin to pray in the spirit that, and begin to decree and declare that they will live and not die. And they shall declare the works of the Lord. They begin to decree and command angels to surround the accident scene so that nothing else happens. They take authority over that corner. They begin to bind the principalities that are in that region. And then they begin to look for who's in charge of the scene. They're beginning to look for an apostle. And if they don't see anybody in charge, they're going to discern whom God is saying, this is the one to raise up and put in charge of this scene. 
apostle shows up. An apostle is a person who is more caught up with heaven's agenda than human agendas. They're more concerned with heaven's concerns than human concerns. The apostle shows up and begin to pray for a supernatural touch of heaven from, to come from heaven and to touch the earth. They pray for the injured. They invite the supernatural to touch them. They, they pray for miraculous healings. And people's faith begin to rise in that very scene. Miracles begin to occur. And the apostle brings a person who was healed like Benny Hinn and puts the mic in their face and tell them what happened. Tell them what happened. And other folks, their faith begin to rise. And he takes the person who's been healed and say, put your hand on her stomach right here. Then he puts her hand on the stomach and puts his hand on top of hers. And the power of God flows through them. Apostle's not done because after that they begin to open up a school for those who have come to know the Lord through the ministry of the evangelist. And he raises them up and releases them to send them out to other corners that are dangerous. So God has a purpose this morning for us to discern and to embrace and to recognize and to release the new wineskin of leadership. Let me, let me just get to the point here this morning. Let me go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. The Bible says that God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Paul is laying out God's priorities right here. He's saying there is, a, there is a funnel through which the, the, the blessing of God flows. And I want to submit to you that the church has been limited in its impact because we have a mindset that limits the flow of God. We have a mindset that is more about our own comfort and agenda and concerns than about heaven's agenda and heaven's concerns. So he says that God funnels flows first of all, the Greek word is proton, first in order, first in rank, first in authority, the apostles, second, the prophets, third, the teachers. Paul does not even mention the office of the evangelist or the pastor in terms of this priority and this rank. And I'm going to get to that in a moment because some of y'all bristle, bristling up at me right now and See, that's, that's really what we know as the evangelist and the pastor. If you're a female, you couldn't be a pastor in some denominations. And we, you trying to take that away from us too? But no, I ain't trying to take that. I'm, I'm sticking in the word. But all five of the, the ministry callings must relate to one another in the order of priority in order for heaven to influence the earth. The order is supported in Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians chapter 2, Verse 19, Paul is saying, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but you're fellow citizens with God's people. You're members of his household. We are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ himself as the chief cornerstone in whom the whole body, the whole building is joined together. So God's household rests on the foundation. What? The apostles and the prophets. They're the foundation of the church. Their job description is in the area of miracles and preaching and government and releasing miracles and raising up the body of Christ to go out and do the work of the ministry. 
told you about Acts 1 and about Matthias. In Acts chapter 13, the apostles sent Barnabas to Antioch from Jerusalem to investigate the revival among the Gentiles. And Barnabas, as an apostle, stayed and strengthened the church. In Acts chapter 13, the Holy Spirit then directed the church to ordain Paul and Barnabas as apostles, which is the missionary, the Latin word for missionary is apostle. They began to evangelize the world through the means of church planning and by using apostolic ministry teams. Paul continued in that apostolic anointing. Let me just get to this, that the church is in danger and is less effective when the five-fold ministry graces are not in place. Let me tell you how we are in danger. We are in danger because we got too many frustrated, discontent, unhappy Christians in the church bad advertisement to the world why should I want to come and, and be a part of the Lord you look like you just drink a whole gallon of pickle juice you want me to look like you and act like you we got too many frustrated unhappy discontent Christians because the church is not operating in the proper flow of the new wineskin the church structure and government is in danger of disorder that's one of the first dangers it's, a, it's in danger of disorder. We are in disorder because we have, we have made the foundation of the church pastors, teachers, and administrators. James tells us that our reasoning is, is worldly and sensual. He says that in James 3, and you can jot the scripture down, I'm not going to uh, put it up on the screen, but he says, whoever is wise and understanding, let him show it by his good life. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, which is in a lot of saints today in the church, harboring bitter envy, selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast about it. Don't deny the truth saying, I don't know what he's talking about, it ain't me. He says, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, sincere. That's how the fivefold ministry is, is designed to operate. Pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit. I don't even see that happening in the body of Christ. There are too many pastors who are at odds with one another, who are, who are in competition with one another. Why? Because we act like the church is built on us. You can only have one pastor in most churches. And he's 80 years old. He's been there since he was 12. And he ain't trying to go. Ain't trying to raise nobody else up. Ain't going to be no more pastors. Ain't we ain't going to have no cell groups. We ain't going to have no small groups. I don't want y'all going visiting nobody's annual day and Mother's Day. And I don't care if it's your mother's service. You better be here. Disorder. Secondly, we're in danger of operating by a spirit of control not peace the kingdom of heaven is righteousness joy peace in the Holy Ghost not control not fear peace is the goal of heaven it's the primary quality of the government of God it's a kingdom of peace in the hearts of man 
No wonder why Jesus rebuked Peter when he told Peter, I'm going to the cross to, to be crucified. Peter said, not so, Lord, you'll never go. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You don't care for the things of the kingdom of heaven, but for the things of man. You're not concerned about the peace. You're concerned about control because you like this three meals every day. You like this offering thing. You like people coming to you. You like the power. It's not about control. One of the greatest illustrations of the dangers in the church is in the book of Acts, chapter 6, that after the apostles were put in place in government, the, the 12 were in order, and the Holy Spirit fell, and Peter stood up, and 3,000 got saved, and, and they continued in the apostles' doctrine, and in, in breaking of bread, and meeting in the temple, and going from house to house, and great grace and favor was upon them, and people kept getting baptized, and repenting, and getting saved, and the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers were flowing, but in Acts chapter 6, there arose disorder, control, murmuring, because the needs of certain widows were not being met. And it was a distraction to the church. Where are the pastors at? We over here widows. Ain't nobody came and saw me. I've been out church for, for three months. Y'all ain't even y'all don't even care. Y'all even know. And we start murmuring, start complaining. Don't look at nobody, just keep looking at me because I know y'all here mad, frustrated, angry, discontent because it's built on the foundation of pastors. We ain't getting our daily meal. I pay my tithes up in there and I, I ought to get something back. They start murmuring. And the apostle said, it's not right for us to be distracted. When the needs are unmet, you need a pastor. They say, we're not pastors. We're apostles. We're called to the ministry of prayer and the ministry of, of the word. We're called to bring heaven's atmosphere to the earth. And if we're waiting on tables, that's not going to happen. You're going to get fat, get full, and you're going to be looking for what's next on the menu, what we have in next Sunday. So the church must have this freedom for the five-fold ministry to express themselves according to God's anointing upon their lives. The other ministry graces have to be in place. Now, when you don't have them in place, there's danger. I talked about the disorder. I talked about the control. I talked about distraction. I talked about unmet needs. There's other dangers. There's the danger of, of unusual manifestations things that are not in the Bible. You've got the danger of people expressing their, their style of all their own. You've got the focus just all on the supernatural. Everything is spooky and goofy and, you know, it's not the Holy Ghost, but it's hokey pokey. It says, ooh, you know, you're looking for demons and the Holy Ghost. I saw, I saw the Holy Ghost in the cloud today. It looked like, okay, every, you just see everything is supernatural. And then you also have the neglected needs of people. I recognize that. You know what? That brings about resentment. That's a danger in the body of Christ, resentment. And can I just be real? There's a spirit of resentment that's deep-seated in many of us in this church. You know why? It's because Bishop been doing all that traveling lately. He ain't preaching like he used to. He ain't here all the time. The church don't feel the same. I, I, I don't know if I'm going to keep going there. And 
I still remember when I needed him, he didn't call, he wasn't there. Resentment of how the apostle is using their time because they're not using it like a pastor. Doing all this prayer and all this travel and all these meetings with other apostles and spending more time around the country than he is with us. I'm, no, I'm going to go to another church. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to a church where they care for people. Where it's less emotional. We ain't got to do all this coming to the altar and, you know, praying. What happened to just sitting down doing worship? You got frustrated Christians? You got resentful prophets? Prophets have been set in the house to release the word from the Lord. When Jehoshaphat was being surrounded by an army that was outnumbered and he said, Lord, I don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. The Lord raised up a prophet and said, believe in the Lord and believe in his prophets and you shall prosper. They release a word that is causing you to prosper, but when the prophets are resentful and not allowed to function because they're not identified, they're not embraced, they're not released, the church does not prosper. The Lord directed me to appoint prophet, pastor, teacher, Dr. Marcus Arrington as the next senior pastor of Parklawn in February because there is a word in his mouth that will bring about prosperity in your life and in this house. This man flows in visions and dreams and in the supernatural and God has a word for him. We got resentful teachers. Resentful, they're not getting enough time. They don't let me get up and speak. They don't give me the mic. They don't let me teach a class. Teachers need to have a balance of the word. Now, let me just say this to teachers. I ain't scared of none of y'all. So. When, when the church begins to persist in demanding a logical gospel, we are in danger of becoming the scribes and the, and the Pharisees and the lawyers of Jesus' day. Where everything has to, we got to find it in scripture. And it's got to make sense to me before I, before I can do it. Teachers, you cannot neglect the supernatural lifestyle. Yeah, get your logic, build your life on scripture, that's, that's perfect, that's, that's biblical. But don't cancel out a lifestyle of praying in the Holy Ghost, a lifestyle of believing God for the supernatural, and even a lifestyle where I don't have to understand everything, I can live in the mystery of God. I told you all about them pastors. Jealous, competitive disconnected with one another because they're not connected with an apostle and a prophet because an apostle and a prophet would say listen man let me just tell you it ain't all about you <laughs> you ain't even listed in 1 Corinthians 12 <laughs> church ain't built upon the pastor and the, and the evangelist it's built on the foundation of the apostle and the prophet and God did that for a reason and as a result the church when, when we are, whenever we are in crisis, we look for a pastor first. We look for somebody who's going to take away the pain. Somebody who's going who's to help me in my marriage. Somebody who's going to visit me when I'm, I'm about to die. I need somebody to come and help me. Yeah. 
My kids are acting up. I need somebody who's going to come and visit Junebug at the juvenile detention center. We look for a pastor. The problem is that we build the church around our comfort. And we short circuit the supernatural. We're not interested in the supernatural. We're interested in what's best for us. We develop, as Paul said, teachers having itching ears. Here, we want you to preach this. You ain't preaching that enough. You're preaching too long. You're preaching too short. And you know what? There are many pastors who give into that because that's all they know. But I just let y'all know you can't do that forever. You're going to burn out. You're going to burn out. You're going to commit adultery. Because you're not in your lane. You are letting people put expectations upon you that should be placed upon the five-fold ministry offices and you trying to carry it all. Now let me go down this street. I, I didn't mention the evangelists. We got some evangelists in here. I told you in the car, Rick, they're all about lost souls. They're all about the gift of salvation. Can I just say this? Evangelists are some of the most frustrated and disconnected, dislocated parts of the body of Christ many of them are not even here today because they're angry they feel that we ought to be out on the streets this morning how come y'all ain't out here in the highways and byways and in the back alleys is people dying and going to hell and y'all more concerned about wearing your three-piece suits and your big hats and they angry and they resentful and they feel like the church is just, is just Ichabod over the doors of the church. The glory of the Lord has departed. And now they're disconnected. They're dislocated. God is saying he's releasing apostles and prophets to reset joints in the body because the body needs to be healed to be a new wineskin. One of the things that I, I'm over my time, but let me just, give me 10 more minutes. One of the things that I so much appreciate Jesus says that the children of the world are wiser than the children of light. We are the children of light, saints. We got the light in us, but, the, but folks who ain't even naming the name of Jesus Christ are wiser. And so I so much appreciate Brother Reggie Moore, who is the director of the City of Milwaukee Office of Violence Prevention. And the vision he has called the Blueprint for Peace. How many of you know God had a blueprint for peace? long time ago he gave it to the church but we ain't operating we ain't operating because you know we ain't going out there it's all about us in here right let them come in here and get saved I ain't going out there my comfort's in here but that blueprint for peace has a has a plan called interrupters who are working in this department called 414 life these are men and women who are unafraid who came from the streets, game recognized game, and they are being released to go into the streets and to cut off violence before it happens. Can I just tell y'all that's what the church is supposed to be doing? Going to where the accident scene, oh yeah, this accident's known to happen here. I'm just going to stand here. I'm just going to pray. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. We're just going to cut it off before it happens. Interrupters. 
And the evangelists are out there doing that. And many of them are frustrated and angry that the rest of the church ain't out there too. But all of us together are important. All five graces cooperatively working together are the key to the wine of God being poured into this new wineskin. The funnel has to be reset. It's got to be replaced. And when these work relationships begin to network together, there's going to be a flow that will release God's anointing and begin to raise up and release his people. It's time out for a one-man show. I ain't going to let y'all burn this man out. That's why we got commissioned ministers. That's why we got other pastors. That's why we got cell leaders and life group leaders. Because we ain't so insecure to believe that I can do it all. No, I want to go home and spend time with my wife. I almost said something else, but, you know, it might be some kids in here. It's time for the new wine skin. Amen. So as the bishop and the apostle of this house, I'm not retiring. I'm repositioning. I'm repositioning out of the pastorate. I'm repositioning out of the pastorate for a continued life. I don't believe in retirement. I know some of you all do, and that's fine, but I'm, re, I'm retooling. I'm repositioning for a continued lifetime of service and influence through this house and to the body of Christ, both locally and nationally, because God is doing something new in me. He's doing something new in this church. He's doing something new in the kingdom, and he needs some new wineskins who will hold the anointing so that the anointing is not uh, wasted on the ground because the wineskin couldn't hold it. And our eldership discerns the same thing. Parkline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services, workshops, and encounters. Parkline Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.